a very good evening to you. along to another sweet and swing. Howard with you for the rest of the hour. Always a pleasure to have your company on a Friday night. What have we got? Carrying on with our Glenn Miller. A Glenn Miller a week keeps the doctor away. Or something like that. Piano power, more from our great jazz classics at the keyboard. A bit of Gracie, the Wigan Youth Jazz Orchestra. Don't think they've ever been on before. I'm not going to put that right. But to start off, the first time I saw you.
How about that to get you going to start off? Were you dancing around the room? Because it was strict tempo, as they say. The first time I saw you, Henry Jakes and his correct tempo dance orchestra, October of 1937. And, yeah, the whole concept of it, that was for having people who would yeah, dance properly so that the bands would play exactly the right tempo for the various dancers, I understand it, for a foxtrot or quick step or a waltz, whatever the case may be. It would be strict tempo or right tempo and uh, done beautifully there, although it bounced along very nicely the first time I saw you. And not too bad at all. I, it was, of course, speaking of dancing and partners and getting together and girls and boys and all the rest of it, yes, it wasn't that long ago, was it, that it was Valentine's Day. When all lovers get together, well, in theory, in any case, do you get any Valentines? Or did you, rather like me, the older you get, the less often you seem to see a Valentine card. We do give one to each other. That is, my better half and myself. And occasionally, amazingly, the cats and even the hens have been known to send Valentine's cards. That's how desperate you get when you get a bit older, isn't it? Because chances are you're not going to get one from anyone else. So... And then again, it's you sort of know realistically if a card has appeared in the kitchen at sort of eight o'clock in the morning, the chances are it's from someone who actually lives in the house. So it takes all the excitement out of having a secret lover. But there we go. That's the joys of old age, I suppose, isn't it? Nonetheless, as it was Valentine's Day, uh, I thought perhaps it might be a nice idea to commemorate that with a love song. How about this one? Love was a song. It's 
my thoughts linger on, but romance has gone. My love song is only you. Don't you just love that crackle? Teddy Joyce and the boys love was a song. Singing that, you might think, you just catch it first off and you might think, yes, well, was that Al Boley? Um, was that Al Boley? Uh, well, no, it wasn't Al Boley, incredibly. It does sound like Al Boley, doesn't it? And I, you have to believe that the singer was indeed perhaps influenced a bit by Al Boley. But it was one Eric Whitley a violinist and a singer who was born in Wrexham, not a million miles away from the Alabama, I suppose, where he formed a band called the Sm- a, uh, San Remo Band, only a small band, at the age of just 16. Not bad going, is it? Worked as a shop assistant, but then he sang and he played piano with various local bands before joining Peter Fielding in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, who briefly changed his name to Tony Lombardo before it was reinstated back to the original name of Eric Whitley by Teddy Joyce, who we just heard him singing with there. So it was Tony Lombardo before that. So if you, if you like Tony Lombardo, will you like the two later appearances? Well, he sang with uh, Carol Gibbons, or played one way or another, and uh, also Jack Harris, Phil Green, George Elric, Michael Flome, Harry Roy, Harry Leader, the Blue Rockets, Nat Allen. The list goes on. Pretty impressive, one way or another. And actually, rather nice picture from here in later life, still playing the violin. Um when he was back being Eric Whitley again, not Tony Lombardo. I suppose you have to admit that Tony Lombardo does have a bit more of a stage feel to it than Eric Whitley. But not I'm decrying anything wrong with being called Eric Whitley. It's a good name. Now, uh, Wigan, speaking of staying up north, and the Wigan Youth Jazz Orchestra. I found this one lurking on the shelves. I don't ever recall playing anything by the Wigan Youth Jazz Orchestra before, although I can claim to have had a nice chat with Ian Darrington, MBE, their musical director, and a very nice chap. He is too. I've seen him at various jazz festivals over the years. But uh, I found this one. It's all good swinging stuff. Wigan Youth Jazz Orchestra goes green. Uh, oh, it's to, must be something to do with St. Patrick's Day. It's got a shamrock on the front. doesn't actually say anything particularly about that, but there we go. Maybe it'll say something further in. I'm not going to go green particularly with this track, though, because it's going to be a classic. It's their version of Duke's Take the A-Train. <laughs>
they could swing all night, couldn't they? Uh, they were indeed making a trip to Ireland. I told you there was a shamrock on the front. That's what it was. In 2009, July of that year, Wigan Youth Jazz Orchestra, I'm told, made its fourth trip to Ireland playing concerts at PJ Duffy's Bellina County Mayo at the, uh, oh, I can't pronounce this, Fail Iaris International Folk Arts Festival. Well, who'd have thought? Folk? I'd never put that down as folk, would you? Very odd. Very odd. Anyway, I'm sure they went down very well. And uh, they went on and played at various other places. They played in Dublin. Uh, home to the band during the stay was the Beach Bar and the Ave Maria Guest House at uh, another place I can't in County Sligo. Another place I can't actually pronounce. Uh, a better, No better place for sure, it says. A wonderful time was had by all. This album is dedicated to the hospitality and special friendship of the people of the West of Ireland, something all band members will remember for a lifetime. I've never been over to the West of Ireland. It's on my list. And you always hear wonderful things about the hospitality and the Guinness and the food. So at some stage or other, it would be very nice to get out there. And like I said, Ian Darrington, still going strong as far as I'm aware. Wonderful chap, very chatty and has done so much for jazz in the north with bands like the uh, Wigan Youth Jazz Orchestra. And I think uh, on drums on that one, unusually... A young woman. Uh, drums seem to be almost an exclusively male preserve. Not exclusively. There are some wonderful uh, female jazz drummers and uh, young girls coming through now. And I think, well, in the modern sphere, there's people like uh, Terry Lynn Carrington, who is a fantastic drummer, played with who's who of modern jazz players. And I think there are several others coming now through on the British scene as well, which is uh, very nice to see. Uh, and I'm just looking to see on the personnel on that one because there's a picture, certainly, of a uh, young woman playing the drums on that one. And I can see if I could give her a shout-out. I would do if I could find the list on it, and I don't think I can. Trombones, uh, Dominic Hale. Drums, uh, Tom Hyam in one. And Rachel Keefe, there she is, on uh, others. But not on that one, I don't think. Uh, it must have been Tom playing that one. She's on the next track. But there was a, a drummer, a female drummer, playing on some of the tracks on the album. Good to hear. Should have more female drummers, you know, even up the sexes. Don't leave it all, have all the fun with the guys. And they're every bit as good, if not better, quite often. Anyway, speaking of being good, if not better, and female, Gracie Fields. We're staying, it's all. It's not all up north today, but it seems to be at the moment, doesn't it? it we've been enjoying our little retrospective of Gracie Fields and some of her wacky stuff, some of her more, I don't know, soulful stuff and some of the cheeky stuff. This one, well, it's all about a fire. <laughs>
I've heard about you, each word about you, that everyone has spoken, and judging from your rest, I ought to watch my steps, they come and find me, and then remind me, of all the hearts you've broken, but I'm in love with you. Sounds like Edith Piaf there in places, doesn't she? Gracie Fields playing with fire. Um, yes, for her, compared to some of the ones we've had previously, it's not saucy, that one particularly. There's the Obviously, it's having a relationship with a man and she knows she's playing with fire about this relationship and such like, but it's actually fairly serious for Gracie Fields' songs. It's one of her straighter numbers and doesn't actually sound, compared to the ones we've had the last week or two, where it's been full-on Gracie, very different sort of sound, wasn't it? But that's the way she could be. I mean, she was super talented, and like as we were hearing last week, super well paid, the highest paid entertainer, one of the most popular, the most popular female entertainer, or entertainer, I think, full stop in Britain at her peak. But yeah, I like that one, very nice. But you wouldn't instantly think, oh, that's Gracie Fields, would you? Not doing it in her usual, oh, 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 oh where are you going to go again? Type of standard as she normally does. Good stuff. Well, I've enjoyed that. Uh, still to come, uh, where we do have more of the world's greatest jazz band. Uh, hopefully not too much more about their drinking exploits. Plenty of that last week, but you never know. They did enjoy a drop or two. Um, some of our jazz piano classics, piano power, we're doing that as well. And uh, some Peggy Lee. But now, see if you recognise which cartoon this one came from. I certainly grew up with it. Um, don't know whether it rings a bell with you. <laughs> Song. Yeah, he's a pecking it all day long. He pecks a few holes in a tree to see if a redwood's really red. And it's nothing to him on the tiniest whim to peck a few holes in your head. Oh, that's the woody woodpeckers, too. Woodpeckers who Though it doesn't make sense To the doll and the dance And the lady 
There's a tasty little twofer for you. Well, I like to think it is in any case. Uh, so Woody Woodpecker song with Kay Kaiser was first off. Uh, 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 I can't do it. Uh, 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 uh. It's not as easy to do as he made it sound, it has to be said. But you remember Woody Woodpecker. Well, you might remember Woody Woodpecker. I certainly did as a kid. It was a cartoon then, but it goes uh, way back, I think, one way or another. Kay Kaiser, of course, a great favourite back in the time. Anyone remember Kay Kaiser's College of Musical Knowledge stateside? Maybe it was a massive hit at the time. He was born in uh, North Carolina and started messing around when he was a kid doing music and stuff and turned, like a lot of them did, he turned professional in 1929, made some recordings for Victor. But then he had a time at the Black Hawk restaurant in Chicago, where later on a series of records are made, most famously, I think, by Shelley Mann and his men. Seven albums worth of live at the Black Hawk with Shelley Mann and his men. And if you like good swinging bebop, I thoroughly recommend them. Really, really good stuff. Shelley Mann and his uh, men at the Black Hawk. Volumes 1 to 7. Still available, as far as I know. Great stuff. But this was a little bit earlier than that. Uh, this was in the 1930s. And that really was the making of Kay Kaiser. And from this, he began broadcasting. And the radio shows would turn him into a national figure with the aforementioned Kay Kaiser's College, with a K, of musical knowledge. That's what the broadcasts were called, and it basically involved patrons guessing song titles from snippets played by the band ahead of his time. People do it now, they still do it on Manx Radio for that matter. Not with Kay Kaiser, but, you know, playing a bit of a pop song, just a half a second, and which song was that? Well, Kay was there a good sort of, not quite a hundred years, but not not far off ahead. 1930s he was doing that. Listeners were invited to send in their suggestions, and their names were read out on the air which was something of a privilege. I mean, these days are two a penny, isn't it? The 1940s found Kay Kaiser with a band that had an individual and smooth, swinging sort of style. And by the early 50s, he retired to his home state and uh, stayed there until uh, he passed away in the 1980s. But good stuff, and uh, like I said, well, he had definitely had his moment in the sun, as hopefully we all do to a lesser or greater degree. But yes, he was a big, bigger name back in the day and then after that a nice swinging number from a collection which i often keep around which is uh, i don't know where it came from to be honest with you it's a treble cd collection under the title of 50 reasons to love paris jazz in paris and that was a parisian thoroughfare which if you're listening john was written of course by bud powell um you wouldn't necessarily recognise it there, but it gave it a slightly different interpretation, a bit sort of boppier. That was much smoother and on the vibes, of course. Played there by Le Jazz Group de Paris. Yeah, that's as good as my French gets, one way or another. Don't have to worry too much about French with Peggy Lee. How long has this been going on? No idea. <laughs> I could cry 
Very nice indeed. We haven't had Peggy on for quite some time, have we? Superbly. I mean, lovely voice as well. Perhaps not as well known as some of the others. Sarah Vaughan, Ella Fitzgerald, Billy Holiday, maybe Peggy Lee. Isn't quite up there with I don't know. I don't know. Take your pick. You might be your, your all-time favourite. And I could see why. She had a fantastic voice and yeah, full of soul and full of character. Perhaps not surprising when you look back at her history because didn't have the easiest start in life, it has to be said, uh, for someone who did become, well, he was so good-looking and had such a great voice and then such a fantastic career in the end. But she was, she was actually born Norma Dolores Eggstrom. Yeah, that's not necessarily the snappiest name for a stage name, is it? Uh, in 1920 in Jamestown, North Dakota, grandparents were Scandinavian, which is where the uh, Eggstrom comes from, I imagine. Her mother died sadly when she was only uh, four years old and her father remained, uh, but her stepmother, it's recorded, was not a good successor to her own mother, uh, not really very nice to her at all. Her dad took to drink. By the time she was in her teens, she was actually substituting for her dad in work at the local railroad depot when he was uh, unfit for work. By the time she was 17, she'd already been singing on local radio. She tried her hand in California for fame and fortune with no luck, but became a singing waitress in Fargo, where she changed her name then to Peggy Lee. And 1941 was singing in Chicago with a vocal group in the Ambassador West Hotel when Mel Powell, he of uh, fame with Benny Goodman, the pianist with Benny Goodman's band at the time, heard her and persuaded his leader to hear her as well. Uh, Benny Goodman did, and of course was so impressed he offered her the position in his band. Formerly filled, of course, by Helen Forrest. And the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, leave it there, I think, otherwise we'll be, uh, get too dwelling down. We'll never get on to anything else at all. But a cracking voice. We should play more, Peggy Lee. I'll keep that one in the bag, shall I? I'll keep that one lurking around. Right, we're doing our piano power, 20 jazz piano classics. A whole selection going through, in a way, the sort of history of jazz to a degree. We had uh, King Porter Stomp and uh, Big Spiderbeck best known on the corner, of course, playing piano, which he was a fine exponent of as well. And here's a man who, well, everyone will know the name and most people will know his music, old or new. Frankly, you can't go wrong with him. It's just, he might have done some duffers, but there must have been fairly few and far between. Duke Ellington. <laughs> Thank you. 
very nice too. Duke Ellington, quite early doors, black beauty, not just a great composer and orchestrator and band leader, of course, but, as you probably picked up there, rather a fine pianist as well, uh, both throughout his entire career, I was going to say, both early doors and late doors. And again, I sort of picked on him later on, as I've mentioned before, and uh, if you've never heard some of his later work, then check that out, because it's uh, terrific stuff. He did a, a couple on Impulse, I think with Johnny Hartman, and a wonderful album with John Coltrane. And if you're not a fan of John Coltrane, then I'd still say check it out, because it's not John Coltrane in his wailing sheets of sound style. Much, much more lyrical and melodic than that. Uh, very nice indeed with uh, Duke at the piano. It's just called, I think, Duke Ellington and John Coltrane. Ditto Duke Ellington and Johnny Hartman. I think it's the other one with Johnny Hartman taking vocals. And then my personal favourite and possibly one of the most modern things he did, and obviously I am a modernist at heart, as they say. Check out Jumping In tomorrow evening, 9 o'clock with Brother Chris, if you don't believe me. <laughs> Please do. Great show. And, yes, his trio... A one-off, as far as I'm aware. don't think there's any other recordings. Charlie Mingus on bass. Max Roach at the drums. Duke at the piano. Money Jungle. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, also has the uh, honour of being the first CD we ever bought the old maestro. And CD was just coming in in the early 1980s. And vinyl was still king. World's Greatest Jazz Band. Another of our mini-series going at the moment. Uh, enjoying some of the music from their first ever visit to the UK. Manchester Free Trade Hall England 1971 and um, yes we've been hearing about their drinking about their ups and downs how all the checks bounced uh, how they started off with their first sort of benefactor turned out to be a bit of a crook and then another millionaire took them over who was a bit of a jazz fan and bailed off all the bills as well uh, a few thoughts on Bud Freeman who is a player in a moment I'm seeing there's a few notes within this uh, collection it's quite well annotated this one not all CDs are, but this one's got some good notes on it uh, about the world's greatest jazz band in their first visit. So we'll hear those in a moment, but not before we'll hear something from the band themselves. 1971, and here it is. What's new? Thank you. 
What's New, the world's greatest jazz band. And, well, one of the players there, and there's quite a lot actually written about him, and again, one of the few I knew, which was Bud Freeman, a giant of the tenor sax, one of a handful of original stylists on the instruments. And, yes, I can say I knew Bud quite well. I can say I've actually got a 50 pence piece which Bud pressed into my hand one time when he came over here to play on the Isle of Man during one of his several visits. And also, belonging to my brother but in the Kane household, is the Bud coat. Bud's coat, quite literally, for many a year from the, I don't know, 1940s, 1950s, up until he decided to swap it after 20 or 30 years where my brother took a shine to it. Bud said at the time, I'll send it to your kid when I'm finished. And he did. <laughs> He did mail the coat from America to my brother, and it still lurks, I think, somewhere in the wardrobe. I hope it's still in one piece. It was very heavy, fur-lined. As you can imagine, Chicago is a fairly chilly place in the winter, and uh, it served him well for several decades, apparently. So it's fairly faded and a little bit battered, but absolutely chocker full of character. And Lord knows which characters he might have been meeting when he was wearing it. could have been some of the greats of the music. In any case, he was... Um, he was something of an Anglophile without a doubt, and in some bands, apparently, according to the notes, he was made something of a figure of fun because of his very genteel or cultured mien, which, without a doubt, he did. When he toured Europe with the Jazz from a Swinging Era unit, he was known, apparently, to the rest of the band as the wardrobe mistress. And the opening line of so many of his conversations, it's noted, was, I don't want to be egomaniacal, but... And then went on to another of his, uh, another preening of his intellect, as it says here, which sounds a, a little bit uh, unfair, perhaps. He did. He was a great raconteur, is what I would say. He loved nothing better to tell a story. But at the end of the day, he did have an awful lot of stories to tell. So, you know, why not? Is what I would say. He was a great character though, and loved playing Scrabble, preferably for money if he could, penny a point. I think Dad used to fund me for that, uh, but you wouldn't often win because he, he was very good at it, it has to be said, and loved England and loved the Isle of Man. Did seriously consider buying a house here at one stage, but didn't because his brother Arnold, who was a bit part actor back in the States, he thought he would miss him, Arnold, too much, and uh, he was getting on in years and he thought he'd be better closer to Arnold, the two brothers, together. More about Bud next week. In the meantime, we'd better have a little bit of the giant that was Glenn Miller.
Yes, King Porter, Stomp, Glenn Miller and the boys, of course, going strong there. And that's our little Glenn Miller brightener-upper. Best way to cheer up a cold day or a, before we're heading to spring. Bit of Glenn Miller always puts a smile on your face and makes your feet tap and makes you think of dancing and all the good things. That's it for this week. Same time, same place. See you then. Cheerio. La, 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 la.